If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Calls Cloud Business Phone Service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, we are now entering day number four of a party in crisis. <laughs> Democrat Party. Still, folks. Now, they're getting close. 96% of the precincts at last check before I started the program this morning are now reporting. 96% of the precincts are now reporting in Iowa, but still we're not there. In fact, yesterday... We'll talk about this as the program comes together. I want to start with impeachment, but just I want to properly identify day number four of a party in crisis. That's what this is. I mean, this this is supposed to be this was supposed to be a celebratory moment. This was supposed to be the week where someone could be taking a bit of a victory lap because of the results in Iowa. It's just it's an utter debacle is what it is. We'll talk about it. And we'll talk about New Hampshire as well. I'll give you my thoughts and projections and predictions there. And I think when you think about predictions, you need to think about a whole gamut of things that might be the the ultimate turnout. Because I didn't expect Iowa, you know, maybe Buttigieg would win or Sanders or Warren or Biden or whatever. But to come out of Iowa saying, we don't even have a winner. I mean, this opens up the, a world of options. We're not just choosing between candidates. We're choosing between an infinite amount of possible outcomes, undoubtedly undoubtedly involving someone tied to the Clinton campaign. So anyway, we'll talk about that. But day number four, day number four of a party in crisis. Welcome to the Todd Huff Show. I am your host, Todd Huff. You have tuned in to Radio Safe Space this morning. Radio Safe Space, thank you for tuning in. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com, Facebook dot com slash Todd Huff show should you want to watch the program live or on demand on Facebook as long as Facebook allows that to happen so I want to start even though I want to make sure we get to day number four of the Democrat Party in crisis this is how I think this is how this would be covered on the news if this was the Republican Party I can see Wolf Blitzer taking a very serious posture on CNN, whatever his show's called, Don Lemon and tough guy Chris Cuomo doing the same thing. Whoever the nightly news anchors are nowadays, we used to know who they were. They were kind of stalwarts, and 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 they were, you know, we knew who these folks were. They've seemed to be flipping and flopping around trying to find someone um, because people don't tune in like they like they once did. They've violated so much of the trust of the American people, and but anyway. 
This uh, this is how it would be covered. Party in crisis. Democrat or Republicans would be a party in crisis, but we'll talk about that. So let's start with impeachment. Yesterday, yesterday the Senate voted on the two articles of impeachment. Finally ending, well, I'm going to say this. It's over, but it's not over. Right? It's over in the sense that the vote has happened. It's over in the sense that the charges that have been levied by the House of Representatives, very partisan vote, very politically motivated. That's the entire I mean that's that is the case. That is that they've been seeking this. You've heard me say this countless times. They've been seeking that shiny object that they could hold up to the American people and finally say, with the help of the complicit media and the negative coverage and the attacks on President Trump and so forth, hold up that shiny object and they finally thought they found it. Ukrainian pressure campaign, whatever they come up with here, this 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 campaign against uh, Ukraine designed to, of course, I guess help President Trump beat someone in the election that isn't even going to be on the ballot unless dramatic things happen. Remember, Joe Biden was the target of this, right? Joe Biden, which to me, this is part of the equation. We're pretending here that Trump knew that Joe Biden was going to be his opponent. So let's take him out. I'm sure someone out there listening to my voice or someone that you know, maybe they're not directly listening to my voice, but they think, oh, yeah, that's what's happened. In fact, if Trump didn't ask Ukraine to do what they did, Biden might have won Iowa. I'm sure there's folks that think this. Hey, Todd, the the proof is in the pudding. Biden finished fourth in Iowa. Mission accomplished. Meanwhile, they ignore the Biden campaign. Meanwhile, they ignore his incessant desire to have the campaign decided by feats of strength, (laughs) by pull-up contests and push-up contests and races against President Trump. I haven't heard him challenge Pete Buttigieg to a race. Pete's obviously the the winner of of Iowa, a lot younger. I haven't heard him uh, challenge Tulsi Gabbard as well. He typically likes to to challenge older folks like Bernie or President Trump to races and push-up contests and I don't know I'm just I'm just the the sky's the limit on what the Democrat party could do with this because again it would probably get a lot of uh what Rush Limbaugh would call low information voters tuning into the debate cycle if it included feats of strength push-up contests maybe get the dip bar over there and rip out some dips some American ninja warrior uh, obstacle courses out there. Maybe go back to the days of American Gladiators, Powerball, and all the games that they used to play on American Gladiators when I was a kid. But anyway, anyway, this has been a political impeachment. Has been a political obsession of the left. This is part of the campaign. This is their campaign strategy. And so I point out the first. The first flaw in this is why would Trump want to defeat someone that he wasn't going to have to even potentially run against? Why waste that effort? Why not wait? Why not wait to unleash your Ukrainian pressure campaign on your actual opponent, right? There's so many. At first, there were, what, 21, I think, 20-something, maybe 25 candidates who came out. And yes, I (laughs) said... I did see, and I, we'll talk about it, Nancy Pelosi practiced ripping up the speech 
that she tore, tore in half the other night. She put a little bitty tear in the thing prior to – I'm looking on the TV right now and seeing this. She put a tiny tear in the speech so that I guess she wanted to make sure she could tear those papers in half. I jokingly said uh, something the other day that she had to tear them in, in groups because she wasn't sure that she could rip it. We actually know now that there's truth to that. She put a little tear in it just to make sure she had a, a starting starting point where she could tear the speech in half. And we'll talk about that as the program comes together. But anyway, this impeachment vote is over in the Senate. It was held yesterday. So there's two articles of impeachment uh, that were levied against the president, two charges, if you will, that got through the House of Representatives strictly only with Democrat votes. They got through the Senate with all Democrat votes except for one, and that was by Senator Mitt Romney. And I want to play probably next segment Mitt Romney's – probably take a couple of segments – his speech from the Senate floor yesterday explaining his vote. Um, and I want to I want to talk about that. I know that we have lots of listeners uh, in Utah, especially some may agree with this. Some may may not. I do not. I, too, I'm not I am not uh, I am a evangelical Christian. I am not um, a member of the of the Mormon church, but I have a faith in my creator God as well, a relationship with Christ. And so. I would take – I take what I do on here seriously as well, and I want to respond, play some of – well, I might even play the whole thing. It's about eight minutes in, in, in bits, but I respond to what Romney says, but we'll talk about that. But this is over in the Senate. The first impeachment article was defeated 52 to 48. That was 47 Democrats plus Mitt Romney voting for – Removing the president from office. Mitt Romney actually voted to remove President Trump from office yesterday on one of the impeachment charges. Abuse of power. The other one, obstruction of Congress, it was only the 47 Democrats. Mitt Romney voted against that particular um, impeachment allegation or article of impeachment. And so that vote was 53 to 47. So one Republican along the way. I mean, this this thing from start to, to finish was was almost perfectly partisan down the line, right down the middle, right down the middle. Exactly what America needs at this particular uh, point in its in its history, of course. But anyway, Mitt Romney votes yes or guilty, I should say. He votes guilty. That was his actual vote. Guilty on Trump, the Articles of Impeachment. Uh, against Trump that said that he abused his power as president, and by abusing said power, he was worthy of being removed from office. And so we'll talk about that. Actually, I look at the clock here. We're a little bit ahead of schedule, and I want to play this uh, soundbite, some of these the, the speech from Romney. So I want to talk about that. We'll play that after the break. We'll take a time out here. But the upshot of this is that impeachment – the actual process that got kicked off, I think it was 84 days ago, 85 now, 85 days ago, the one that actually started in the House where they started formally this process. Now, in another sense, they they started before Trump walked into the office, but this particular attempt, this particular shiny object was 85 days old. 
This was 85 days, 84, 85 days old. That one's over. But the one that started before he took office is not over. That one will never be over. In fact, you'll hear murmurings of people saying that the House may call witnesses. They may impeach President Trump on something else. Blah, blah, blah. This thing's going to continue, and it will continue. This is their strategy. This is really, folks, in some sense, all they got. It really is. I'm not saying that Trump is not in trouble or you know has any chance of losing in 2020, but I am saying that this is what they've got. This is their best hope because it's not any of those candidates, especially when two of the top four candidates are open socialists. Openly socialist. Democrat Party not happy about that again. Day number four of a party in crisis. Party in crisis. Democrat Party can't figuring out, uh, figure out who won the Iowa caucus even. Anyway, that being said, taking a break, get back. We're going to play some sound bites from Mitt Romney's speech before the Senate yesterday explaining his vote. We'll get to that when we return. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Be advised, listening to this program may cause you to lean to the right. Be back in just a minute. Welcome back. So I said last segment that this impeachment process, this particular case is over formally, officially. The gavel has sounded the golden gavel or whatever gift they had given to Chief Justice John Roberts has been announced and all of the appropriate applause for the pages and for uh, these Capitol Security Police. All that stuff has been formally done. There's nothing else literally to say about this. It is over. But in another sense, it is not over. In another sense, this thing is just beginning. In another sense, we may have already seen planted the seeds of a future impeachment. Anyhow, that's kind of where we stand. But I want to go to Mitt Romney. Now, Mitt Romney, again, I'm, I know we have lots of listeners in the great state of Utah. Uh, some folks out uh, in, the, in listening to KYAH 540 AM, really, uh, Mitt Romney's a, you know, a, a popular individual. I think a good man, by the way. I think he's wrong on this. I think he's wrong on this. Um, I don't I don't think that he's I think that he's doing what he thinks best. I just think that his uh rationale has is is not is not correct. I don't think he's looking at this correctly, but he's senator and not me. But that being said, I want to share this. I want to share this because I don't it's a little bit frustrating for me for for someone to make some what I consider very fundamentally some very fundamental flaws when looking at the intentions and the gamesmanship and the political theater that the left puts on on a regular basis. The the political left, the radical left, the radical left. And this this accounts for most of them. They are fabricating, manufacturing, whatever you want to say, uh, crises in their minds, things that they can they can use to politically get an action, an outcome that they that they want. And so they do this constantly. 
They do this constantly. And to not know this and to not be able to say, I question, yes, I do question in some cases, actually in many cases, depending upon who the person is, depending upon the person, I question in many cases the sincerity of what they're arguing, the sincerity of their arguments. It's it's really, um, to me, I think inexcusable to some degree to not to not see this for what it is, or to be as what is wise as serpent, but as gentle as serpents as, as gentle as doves. And, and and we have to be aware of the tactics that are being used against us. That I would say that manipulate and mislead the American voter, and that oftentimes comes right out of right out of the leadership of the radical left. And some of those people have titles that say senator so-and-so, congressman, congresswoman so-and-so. Absolutely no question about that. Mitt Romney doesn't seem to question that. I do question that. I do question that. But nonetheless, I don't question what he thinks. I, I, I do think he's doing what he thinks is, is best. I just think it's 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 not looking at I, – I think it's incorrect. I think his assessment's incorrect. But that being said, I want you to hear this. This is Mitt Romney from the floor of the Senate explaining how he's going to vote before the final vote was tallied yesterday in the Senate. The Constitution is at the foundation of our republic's success, and we each strive not to lose sight of our promise to defend it. The Constitution established the vehicle of impeachment that has occupied both houses of our Congress these many days. We have labored to faithfully execute our responsibilities to it. We have arrived at different judgments, but I hope we respect each other's good faith. The allegations made in the Articles of Impeachment. Stop. That's the first. I, I, that's, this is the first. I mean, as soon as he, he – the only other part I cut out of the speech was when he asked for you know, permission to, to, to speak. Mr. President, and they, uh, they recognize him, and, and he begins with this – with these sentiments that we shouldn't question the good faith. I do question the good faith. The, the good faith of those who have been trying to orchestrate – articles of impeachment since before this president walked into office. Now, granted, granted, they didn't put those articles of impeachment fully together because they spent the first couple of days, maybe a couple of weeks crying and using adult coloring books and Play-Doh to cope with a Trump presidency. But as soon as they realized that that wasn't going to change reality, the next thing they did was begin to figure out how can we impeach this president. In fact, I've documented this in our newsletter before. On day 11, folks, 11 days in, Trump was already with, with outspoken people, right, people that were actually in our government or the DNC party chair, I think, was one of them, calling for impeachment 11 days in, 11 days after his inauguration. Anyway, I do I do not I do not think that the intentions were pure here. I simply do not. This has been something that's been a dream of the radical left for a long time. Anyway, I think he's wrong on that count. He continues. Are very serious. As a senator juror, I swore an oath before God to exercise impartial justice 
I am profoundly religious. My faith is at the heart of who I am. This is an unedited pause. He's emotional about this. This is genuine in my estimation. I take an oath before God as enormously consequential. You know, I'll say this. I wish more people did feel this way. I, I will stand with Mitt Romney on this, on this particular part. I do wish that more people would take an oath to God more seriously. Maybe just an oath in general. Right, that if more people now he may be hoodwinked here into believing that the Democrats had pure motives that they didn't really want to impeach this president. I, I'm not questioning that he really even believes that. I just think that that's way wrong, and that's not looking at the political opponents in this particular case the correct way. That's how they use. That's how they leverage uh, these emotions or a, a particular set of circumstances to, to get more government power, more money into government, taking things like liberty, religious liberty, Second Amendment rights away from the people. This is how they, they do it. They, they try to emotionalize it, and they try to get people <clears throat> to, I guess, not to question the starting baseline uh, premise that they that they come to the table with. But that being said, I do Mitt Romney's right on this. I wish more people would take an oath in general seriously, but especially an oath to God. He continues. I knew from the outset that being tasked with judging the president, the leader of my own party, would be the most difficult decision I have ever faced. I was not wrong. The House managers presented evidence supporting their case, and the White House counsel disputed that case. In addition, the president's team presented three defenses. First, that there could be no impeachment without a statutory crime. Second, that the Biden's con conduct justified the president's actions. And third, that the judgment of the president's actions should be left to the voters. Let me first address those three defenses. The historic meaning of the words high crimes and misdemeanors the writings of the founders and my own reasoned judgment convince me that a president can indeed commit acts against the public trust that are so egregious that while they are not statutory crimes, they would demand removal from office. To maintain that the lack of a codified and comprehensive list of all the outrageous acts that a president might conceivably commit renders Congress powerless to remove such a president defies reason. The President's counsel also notes that Vice President Biden appeared to have a conflict of interest when he undertook an effort to remove the Ukrainian Prosecutor General. If he knew of the exorbitant compensation his son was receiving from a company actually under investigation, the Vice President should have recused himself. While ignoring a conflict of interest is not a crime, it is surely very wrong. With regards to Hunter Biden, you know, I got to say something, and we'll take a break and pick this, pick this up uh, when we continue. But isn't it's just amazing to me? And that that little statement there, just saying what the Biden, you know, ignoring a conflict of inter interest if you're Joe Biden, vice president at the time, is not a crime. Is something that should have been taken seriously, or whatever specifically he said there. <laughs> he also said at the. It's just. 
it's it's amazing to me that the Bidens in this, if you buy what Romney's saying here, there's not been a crime that's been proven, which of course it couldn't have been proven because we've not had a trial, <laughs> which is an important step in the process. Not really had an investigation, which is a predecessor to a trial. Again, not saying that this should or shouldn't be done, but we're, we're jumping to, con- <clears throat> to conclusions here. Um, he's basically excusing the same behavior from the Bidens is the way I look at it that he's now saying President Trump is guilty of. It's just I, I see this a lot from people um, that are uh, more moderate or uh, who don't see some of the radical left for who they truly are. And it's almost as though they feel more inclined to cast aspersions on those that share the title Republican versus those that are you know, Democrat. And that's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. And I don't know if it's because of media pressure. I think there is a great pressure. In fact, I'm, I'm playing this soundbite from CNN. You know what it says? Watch This is the headline. Watch Romney's emotional explanation of his vote to convict. If someone came up and had an emotional plea like this that was Republican, this would not be the title. There would be uh, something else said about this in a much more derogatory sense. This is presented as by CNN as here's somebody who's emotionally trying to tell the Republicans to quit being partisan. But I think it's interesting here that he's he's – kind of excusing the Bidens of the same sorts of things that he's willing to say that the president did. And again, one doesn't excuse the other. He's right in that sense. I I understand that. But I also understand that there's a lot of other explanations for, for Trump and what Trump's trying to do. I mean, if you're trying to eradicate corruption, if you're trying to eradicate Corruption, eradicate corruption in a government that's the Ukrainian government was considered at the time is still considered, I guess, one of the most corrupt in the world. What's wrong was saying investigate or look into someone who may have been potentially benefiting from it that affects our government. I mean, this affects our government. It absolutely does. It affects our nation. Anyway, going to pause, take a time out, continue sharing what Mitt Romney had to say yesterday from the floor of the U.S. Senate explaining his vote. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Welcome back. Someone during the break reminding me of <clears throat> uh, Pierre Delecto, which was the fake Twitter account that Mitt Romney finally admitted to running some time ago. <laughs> I'd forgotten. Well, I hadn't forgotten about it. I just forgot to uh, – I wasn't thinking about it this morning. But it definitely changes <laughs> – I mean changes the, I guess, opinion um, a little bit on this. When you realize that he was running a fake Twitter account, um, which again is not not a crime, it's not a high crime and misdemeanor. Although I bet if Trump did it, I bet if Trump did it, some would consider it suddenly a high crime and misdemeanor as well. Anyway, forgotten. Can't say I forgot about it. I just uh, didn't uh, bring it up in the context of 
of this particular uh, point in time. So that being said, I want to pick up. I want to pick up where we left off here. Biden, excuse me, Romney, kind of defending the Bidens in a sense and going after them a little bit, I guess, but not really going after them, of course. Um, but he picks up here talking about about Hunter Biden and Ukraine and so forth, and that's where we left off, and that's where we're going to pick up here. So he continues. Of his father's name is unsavory, but also not a crime. Given that in neither the case of the father nor the son was any evidence presented by the president's counsel that a crime had been committed, the president's insistence that they be investigated by the Ukrainians is hard to explain other than as a political pursuit. There's no question in my mind that were their names not Biden, the president would never have done what he did. Okay, pause here. Of course, <laughs> look, we're, there was one vice president of the United States back in 2014, folks. Do you know what his last name was? His last name was Biden. Of course, the person involved in this the name matters. The name matters because of the position held. If the vice president of the time was Hillary Clinton, thank goodness it wasn't. Well, I don't know. It wouldn't have made too much of a difference in that particular time when we were suffering through the Obama years, apologizing for ourselves and everything else, increasing the size, scope, of government, businesses were terrified to invest here and all sorts of things like that. Um, of course, it matters who it is. Drawing the conclusion, this is where I have a major problem. Drawing the conclusion that they were only targeted because they were Bidens is kind of uh, – it's, it's, it's not looking at this – the correct way you have in order to have abused one's power in government one must have power in government biden has been a name in government since gee whiz the guy's been there forever in fact you've seen memes on this you've got biden and sanders and someone else i don't remember you add up their total number of years maybe pelosi you add up their total number of years in D.C., and it's like 700 years between the three of them. I exaggerate a little bit, just a little bit. But it's a tremendous amount of time. You have a guy named Donald J. Trump show up on the scene. He's been there for, for three years now. And suddenly, every problem in Washington, D.C. and America is because of Trump. And that's being spoken by the folks who collectively have, I think, over 100 years of D.C. experience. How is that possible? These problems run deep. Of course it's going to be a person who has a name that's powerful because that's the requirement to abuse one's power. One has to be powerful. Biden was powerful. I mean, it's just silliness. I mean, looking at this the other way, Romney, whether he acknowledges this or not, I don't think this would be his intent, but he's, all, he's actually making the case that if you have the name Biden, you shouldn't be allowed to be investigated. That's really the flip side of this. Of this argument, and that is even more reprehensible uh, than I think the average person would stop and, uh, well, would think on, off of off the cuff because they've been fed this incessant, nonstop drivel 
about Trump targeting the Bidens even or simply because it was a political uh, – I don't know, a political operation. And meanwhile, Biden is not even – he's not in the top three. We don't know yet in Iowa because the Democrats are still in day four of a party in crisis here. They can't count votes. They've run out of fingers and toes again. I don't know what's going on there. Clinton people are involved, apps that don't work. I mean this is – you can't make this stuff up. Anyway, of course the Biden's name matters because, again, power – is required for there to be an abuse of power. And as Vice President Biden and his son Biden, Hunter Biden, of course the name matters. But to suggest that the only reason Trump wanted to go after them was because of the name is is really just missing the whole point on this. I would actually maintain then then every every allegation made against President Trump, that should be our rebuttal. They only want to go after him because his name is Trump. And actually, there's a whole lot more truth to that than what's being alleged here in this phony impeachment scandal, Russian collusion nonsense, Russian 2.0. This is all one big continuing narrative that that Romney's been, uh, you know, echoing the candidly the talking points of the left on this for quite some time. Or maybe Pierre Delecto was a two. I don't know. I didn't follow that Twitter account, but I'm guessing it was since Romney ran it. Anyway. Got to take a break. Listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Welcome back. If you want to hear the full Romney speech yesterday, I don't want to go through. Um, we're getting to the end of the first hour here. I posted it on our Facebook page. It's eight and a half minutes. We listened, uh, we talked through about half of it. But the, look, it's just, um, I, I'm not going to, you know, I, I admire what he says about his, his faith, but he's, he's wrong on this, the assessment. Um, there are plenty of reasons to consider why Trump would have talked about investigating the Bidens, namely that they were in a position of power with an ally where great amounts of wealth could have been transferred to the son of the vice president simply because he was a vice president. Romney acting as though this is not a crime. It's just funny to me. It's not a crime if the Bidens do it, but it's and it's not a crime if, if Trump does it either, but it, Trump deserves to be removed from office for it. It is something doesn't connect there for me. doesn't connect there with me uh, at all. I think Romney is, I don't know. There's there's probably a lot of things going on behind the scenes. So Romney doesn't like Trump. He never has liked Trump. Uh, I think Romney uh, may have been interested in a position. Uh, who knows how how deep these things run? A position in the cabinet, and you know, didn't get one. I don't I don't know. I don't know if that has anything to do with this or not. But I do know that this is um, this is just not the right way of thinking about it. And and I don't know if he's intending to say that. I don't think he is. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt on this, but I would really be ticked if he was suggesting that uh, in order to have to be a genuine person of faith, you had to come down on this particular side of of this uh, impeachment issue. I hope that's not what he's saying. I don't think that it is, if I'm being candid. Uh, but I think that this is, um, as I've stated on here multiple times, 
clearly a political pursuit. This has nothing to do with something they thought Trump did was super egregious. They just want him out of the way. That's what this is. And they will dig and uh, try to position arguments to get people to fall in alignment with their viewpoint, to get votes like Romney in their favor. And see, if this, if this impeachment process would have continued out, continued on out, I think there would have been pressure for others like Romney uh, to cast this vote. I don't know that it had to have really fallen apart of, in order for 67 to get there, but Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, we don't know who all exactly would have uh, fallen under. You talk about a pressure campaign. That would have been a pressure campaign. But this whole thing really fell apart when they couldn't get the witnesses um, witnesses called in the Senate. And there was another comment I didn't have time to get to here the first hour, and I don't want to carry this over into the second hour. But he Romney said in this speech, and you have to listen to my paraphrase here, but you can hear the whole thing on our Facebook page if you want to hear exactly what he said. But basically what he said was the reason – he wanted to hear from Bolton, and the reason that he voted to, to hear from witnesses was because he thought that maybe, maybe Bolton would say something that would make him, uh, I don't know, see that the president really wasn't guilty. And to me, this is nutty talk because you talk about the way our criminal justice, and I know this is not the criminal justice system, but it's also not in a vacuum completely void of all those principles that built our our criminal justice system. The idea, you know, I've shared before, I was on a jury trial. I remember going up to a whiteboard and talking about this as we were looking at evidence. People asked me to prove why the defendant was, was not guilty at one point. I said, this is not the way that this works. Evidence is stacked up brick by brick by the prosecution. The the defense tries to dismantle that, question that. Maybe in your mind you take a brick out because that particular evidence wasn't strong enough. And then there's a a level, there's a line that says reasonable doubt. If the bricks eclipse the line of reasonable doubt, then you say the person isn't guilty. Well, not having Bolton testify, that's the wrong way of looking at it. Bolton's testimony (laughs) could have strengthened the case of the prosecution, right? It could have added maybe a brick, but what would it have done? If the brick wasn't there to begin with, what would the testimony have done to, to, to change that? I mean, you shouldn't have voted to convict without testimony that was necessary in your mind to get you to the point of conviction. Anyway, I got to wrap up long in the segment. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. I've kind of rushed that last part in, um, and I don't have a lot of time here as well. But I do want to say that if evidence from testimony would have impacted your viewpoint, it is bizarre to me to say that it would have taken out a brick that you had placed in, I don't know, on the side of the prosecution as far as evidence that would have convicted or made the president guilty. If you're uncertain of what Bolton would have said, it seems to me the logical thing would have been 
that you, you wouldn't have reached a level of confidence beyond a reasonable doubt that he was guilty short of that testimony. It seems backwards to me, and I think that's an important point as well. Anyway, wrapping up here for the first hour. Join us on hour number two, toddupshow.com slash total access. Have a great day, guys. Take care. SDG.